0: Fine, how books are put together i'm your host holly dunn and in today's episode the final episode of season two i am speaking with isabel abina peña who is not only a book cover designer but also a lettering artist typographer and zine publisher among many other things and we talk about those things in this episode in 2015 she was listed as one of print magazine's 15 artists under 30 And her covers have been celebrated by the New York Times, Design Observer, The Casual Optimist and BuzzFeed. So without further ado, here's Isabel Ubina-Pena. What really drew me to your work to begin with is the incredible way that you photograph the books once they're finished and and the art direction that goes with that. Where did that kind of come from and, and when did you start doing that for your portfolio? Uh, Thanks so much for having me,
1: first of all. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that basically, I started, I worked at Random House a while ago. And at first, it was my first job in publishing. Uh, So just going into that uh, created a lot of kind of anxiety on my end that I wanted to, you know, prove myself that I could do this and be a cover designer, especially because I felt like a lot of eyes were looking at my work and what I was producing, not in a bad way or anything, but just like everyone wanted to see what I would come up with because I my background was a little different. And from there, I was thinking like, what's the best way of showing my portfolio? And at the time, everyone was kind of doing uh, flat JPEGs uh, with, you know, like a couple, some people had like a little drop shadow and things like that. But at the moment, it was pretty much Just the art of the book. And for me, like, uh, I come from a very traditional, like, graphic design school in Venezuela. And they were really focused on concept and, like, ideation, and everything was like an opportunity for design. And thinking a little bit about that, I was like, how can I present my portfolio that is a cool way and different? And just, I really wanted to, you know, because I was coming new to the industry, I wanted to make kind of an impact. Um, So I started thinking about it. And I don't know, I always love reading and just the relationship with the book as an object. So for me, the fact that people show the the books flat, I needed something more (laughs) to connect with it. So I kind of wanted to have an excuse to something fun. And I just decided this could be a way to expand the universe in which that cover lived so I also took it as a as a project of like learning about photography and styling and lighting and art direction Uh, at first I worked with a friend who was helping me photograph the books and then I started doing it myself and eventually my husband helped me out too so it was like a way to collaborate with people and also create something new, uh, more work, and give myself an excuse to do something different. Uh, and I, I mean, I didn't really expect to have such impact, to be honest. Uh, it was more of a way for me to present my work and give it importance and just, as I was saying, like find that space for telling the story. Um, that you know, in the cover is only one one moment that you get, and the author gets a bunch of pages. So it felt kind of like I wanted to say a little more about the book that really captured me. Uh, so this was like a good way of doing that. But yeah, it's been really fun because a lot of people that I've met in the industry like remember that you know they're very like oh you do your your book photography I love it so it's been really great and that's why I
0: continue doing it. Mm, yeah and you don't really see that many people yeah that's true they're just they're so creative as well and sometimes it's just the the simplest idea um, like the Sophocles covers oh thank you (laughs) and then you've you've got the just little shards of pottery which I thought so clever just so simple
1: (laughs) that has been really fun too like what could work for this and like what are the objects that you know, because I don't want it to take too much importance from the cover, uh, because obviously that's the main thing. But at the same time, it's, it's a challenge to find like what little prop could work for this and like make it even more interesting. So it's been it's been really fun.
0: I, I should update my website and make some more because <laughs> I really do enjoy it. Start while you were at Random House or was it before that?
1: Yeah, it started while I was there, uh, maybe, I don't know, a year after I started. So I had finally started receiving my, my books, and it came the time where I wanted to show all the work I was doing there, and I was like, I'm going to do this. We'll see how, how I'm going to keep up with it, but I'm just going to go for it. And, yeah, it's been really amazing how much impact it has had, Um Inside the publishing industry and also outside, Um, like even, I don't know, a lot of blogs have featured it and like a lot of attention on it, which has been really, really great for me. Um, Just
0: as a learning opportunity, it has been very fun. Publishers, have they picked up on that and asked to use any of your photography in the promotion of of those books?
1: Uh, I did get... Not specifically that, but once I got asked to create a book cover that had that style, so they wanted kind of like a style shoot vibe inside the cover. It didn't end up working out, but I've also gotten some companies ask me to come and style for them. So it's been fun because it's kind of expanded me in other directions as well.
0: So you mentioned just before that you came from a different background and you kind of felt like you wanted to prove yourself. So maybe we could take a step back. Tell us a little bit about how you got into book design as a career and, and how you felt different.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so it's been, it's interesting because it was always sort of in the back of my head. Uh, so I said, I love reading, always loved reading. So it was Even through design school, typography was like my favorite subject. And I would do, you know, tons of uh, classes that were related to experimental typography and like book design. Uh, The thing there is that it was thought and a lot of uh, big designers in Venezuela are uh, book designers, actually. So it was a lot of super influential to me. I've, when I first moved to New York, I moved in 2008. I was like, I really want to work in print, so I was always trying to go there. But what I didn't realize is that book cover design—it's it's, its own thing here in in the USA—and as far as the publishers with in other places that I've worked with is separate than the interior designers, at least for paperbacks and hardcovers, uh, like basically, you know, uh, not an artist book, um, which was a big surprise to me. And I, I started leaning towards working on the typographic and lettering world when I went to Cooper Type in the Cooper Union here. And I think then I was still trying to work in print, but it was like, not really easy so i stepped back a little bit and was interested in type design and just like what could i do in that world i feel like my interest in type design lettering calligraphy started to develop my portfolio in a way that was particular and i the way i found the job at random house was so random um this guy from my i ta in cooper after i finished the program and this guy was uh, a student there and he worked at Random House and he was leaving <laughs> and he posted on Twitter that they were looking for people and posted the email of the art director. And I just emailed, like basically called emailed the art director without even mentioning his name or anything. And they called me in for an interview and when they saw my portfolio and saw like all the type lettering and calligraphy work that I was doing they were like whoa we think you'd be perfect for this so it was kind of a random chance that happened but I wanted wanted it to happen if that makes sense Uh,
0: (laughs) that's amazing that's yeah I know (laughs) so
1: so weird and I, I feel like most of my really significant jobs have been like twitter found or something which
0: i can't even believe that you know it's a magical place yeah totally wow um so differ in in venezuela from in the u.s i feel like the the the
1: focus is very much like artist books there um there is there is editorial and like book cover design but not as much as here you know like if you design a book it's gonna be like the full book and one of the biggest designers there uh, his name is alvaro sotillo he's like he's won a ton of awards for like the most beautiful book in the world and in like a bunch of various uh, international awards so in my school it was like a really small kind of scene and you know you see all those pieces and it's like really interesting because it's very much super minimal everything is very influenced by the Bauhaus and like European design Mm. yeah so like I came to New York with a very like minimal vision and then I don't know found things like Milton Glaser and like pushpin graphics and it was like total collision of worlds and it was really interesting to see how like the influences here changed how I worked but yeah wow it's very different (laughs) yeah and very different from cover design because for me it was always about when I was starting at least it was I was really focused on like the invisible designer so like the interior designer who you don't know that is there and you read so pleasant because you know it's so pleasant to read because they've done their their job so amazingly that you don't even think there was a design behind them you know
0: yeah totally
1: yeah and and these days i'm trying to do a little of both so i i worked at random house for three years almost three years and then I've been freelancing for almost that time as well. And I'm trying to incorporate, you know, more of, I still do cover design, but I'm also doing more books and typesetting and just that that infatuation for type design and, and type, typography. I feel like I'm trying to merge it
0: all the time with everything I do. Mm. A little bit about type and, and lettering, but where do you think that's, interest came from to begin with? Was that to do with your, your studies? Or was it before that?
1: Yeah, I think that and also, like, I had, when I was a child, I I read a lot, my dad, he was like, No, no Nintendo's for you. So (laughs) I used a lot, like I used to read a lot. Uh, And that just kind of carried through. And Also when I was a teenager I did some graffiti and that was also like fun and like a way of expression for me and I think that's where I like to experiment so much with type and calligraphy and lettering um, and just see how far you can push that. Uh, But yeah, in school also one of, like my favorite teachers were typography so it was just like something
0: that I really enjoyed there's so much you can do with it and create so many different characters, yeah um, totally no pun intended but but um, <laughs> character within the characters
1: yeah, definitely, and that's something that I also have been discovering with with creating lettering and like calligraphy and all that like each each piece that I create can be super different than the other, so that's for me it's the challenge it's like. How can I make this as different as possible? And you know, there's always moments in which your client's gonna be like, oh, we love what you did here. Could you do something similar? And I respect that, but I also try to push it if I can. So it's like challenging for me as well. And I'm not repeating myself over and over.
0: That's what makes publishing and and design and publishing interesting is is where you push that idea even further exactly so another thing that I see from your website you're very interested in is scenes, and you've got quite a few on there that you've done in the past yes where where (laughs) did that interest come from
1: Um, that started when I was in in Cooper type actually because I felt like I wanted to actually it was a little before that but it it collided with that I wanted to practice more more lettering Um, so I started, I created a, my first little scene was a scene, uh, called runs from a stranger. And the idea is that it's all hand lettered, uh, and there are no illustrations, just lettering. Uh, so the, the, basically the, the lettering has personality and it's sort of a conversation between two characters And it was mainly a a way to experiment uh, and practice. So I gave myself like a super short deadline and I was like, let's see what happens. And then I've looked at other scenes and, and, you know, indie publications. And I was like, this is something that I can do. Anyone can do it." it. It just felt really easy, you know, approachable. So... I started from there, and now I become more and more involved. I got recently I got a, a resograph printer with some of my studio mates, which has been awesome because it's just another way of printing, and at the same time that you're learning how to print, you're also experimenting and discovering things that you can sort of push uh, with the method that you're printing. So that has been really fun yeah it's just a way to get your work out there and for me it's just practice creating content like I'm I'm really interested in that so it's been an outlet for that that stuff
0: you've got a a risograph um is that the correct term risograph machine yeah yeah Yeah. um quite fascinated with different ways of of printing as well um could you tell us a bit about the resolve brisography process and how it differs from other printing processes
1: yeah totally so I find it really fascinating I I discovered I don't know maybe like six or seven years ago through a friend who had one and he explained it to me and showed me the the results basically I had never seen one and since then I've been like trying to get my hands on one but it's quite a large machine similar to a Xerox printer a photocopier. It looks like one, but the difference is that um it works like um silk screen so it in ca- in the case of my machine, it holds two drums, and the drums have basically it's like a cylinder that around it it wraps a Um, um, sort of a mesh but it's really a master so you you basically burn a screen for each color but the process is automated like in a xerox so once you burn the two within the machine you can do like 500 prints in like 10 minutes basically wow yeah it's crazy because it's also um I feel like it's a baby between a xerox machine (laughs) and silk screen because it's um, the ink it's soy ink and the the quality of it is opaque so it, it feels really like a silk screen print but actually it's opaque but at the same time you can mix, mix colors which is cool you do the
0: mixing by hand then
1: no it's just like cmyk basically like you would lay on top of each other right uh, so the way you prepare the art you will get like a two-color job or a four-color job. Or... Amazing! It's really fun, and you should totally try it.
0: It's very satisfying. I've, I've seen popularity recently. I think there are a few books out about it.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting because it's it's such a big machine. Um, I always wanted it, and it was like, I didn't even realize how much space it takes. But each color requires a drum basically so if you want to have you know four colors you need four drums if you want to have six colors you need six drums and so forth so on so forth and they're quite big they're like maybe i don't know 30 centimeters in diameter so it's kind
0: of crazy (laughs) yeah oh wow but it's it's really great you go into quite a lot of detail on your website about the different papers and printing processes that you use for each of the different zines. Could you tell us a bit about how the paper changes the the outcome?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's more about the experience of, you know, the reader, let's say. So I feel like there's quite a big following of zines and, and printed ephemera out there. So people want to know, like, what what they're gonna get kind of thing so for me it's important to explain oh this is a thin paper you know it's something that actually has more tooth to it or even if the quality doesn't change radically um but it is like kind of interesting to to test all these things for example with I I did like a mini zine called protest with a, with a friend of mine who lives in Venezuela and he's been, he was documenting like all the protests that were going on there last year. Um, To print it, it was super interesting because it was full color photography. So I wanted to try and replicate whatever he got as nicely as possible, but you can't really do a four color job as as a CMYK because there are not really equivalent in the riso. Uh, there are similar colors, but our riso, we don't have those colors. So I had to like test a lot of things and like tweak a lot of the channels and like how each color uh, rendered everything. So it was quite a fun experiment because just like figuring out how uh, all the photographs in the zine could look the best with two colors and actually looks, like, much richer, it, it was super interesting. Uh, but, yeah, I'm
0: getting super nerdy here. Yeah. <laughs> but it must be nice to have that extra level of control over what you're doing, which you don't have if you're working... As a designer for somebody else's book often those decisions are out of your hands and you could say oh I think this would look really good for the foil but it might not necessarily happen.
1: Yeah exactly most of the time you know you can suggest but at least uh, when I was working full time in vintage it was sometimes we could only do one or two effects so you know you did get like to pick uh, what type of paper, maybe, and one effect, or you know, if it was a big book, a couple things. But this is cool because you can get to pick, you know, what type of binding you're gonna do, what type of paper, what type of colors you wanna use, how you wanna mix things, what is the best way of producing this. Uh, so it's super fun for a person who you know is interested in print to do their own. Uh, and i've also tried like letterpress and silk screen less of large quantities and more for smaller things but it has also been like a really great experience and just super different to compare all of the all of the different print methods
0: so exciting just i think because designers we end up doing a lot of stuff digitally and to, to be able to do some things and get your hands dirty is really exciting (laughs) totally exactly (laughs) and and sometimes I I feel as though I design for print but in some ways a lot of it most of it's digital so it doesn't really feel like designing for print in the same way as as actually (laughs) getting to feel the paper and and see what different inks look like all of that
1: yeah and I think that's kind of what also attracted me of Uh, hand lettering at, at first was like that capacity of like getting off the computer and actually doing something by hand and, you know, starting on paper. It was super fun. And it's also like a great asset, I feel like, because, you know, I can like sketch really quickly now because I practice so much. I can do, you know, I can think of an idea and actually do it by hand without going to the computer, um which
0: sometimes i feel like it's way faster back to this in a bit because i do want to ask you more about your your process and sort of using digital tools and all of that but i did want to ask um while we're on the subject of zines Mm -hmm. your a lot of your zines are to do with politics and protest and uh, i was interested in the relationship between those because zines have a, a, a very politically charged um go alongside politics yeah definitely interested in in your relationship between the two and feel less helpless in in the in the face of political change that you don't necessarily have much say in (laughs) yeah definitely it's something that
1: it has impacted everything I do and it's the same thing like when I started doing graffiti, it was, you know, that that same thing. Like, even if not directly with politics, it's like that rebellious feel. And, like, with the zines, it was always like, oh, I have these thoughts and ideas that I not maybe not necessarily want to put in, you know, my bio or whatever but I want people to know that I have a stand towards this Um, and you know I try to incorporate that into my work whenever possible like if I can work with you know people who are doing like work for a good cause like or I can collaborate with someone because I know that will help I do that but the zines is a way of like having you know free speech and actually finding an audience which is not usually the case in you know a career you have to do what the client wants and like I might not have as much freedom sometimes as a designer in terms of expressing my point of view so that's what I feel like zines actually help you with that and in a way like a lot of the things I do is because I think there's a point of view on these issues like one one that I did is like about catcalling and against that and like another one the protest one that I was mentioning was to raise actually awareness to what was happening in Venezuela and like also try to get funds for that and send it because you know these are things that are affecting me uh in a way that is I feel them very deeply and this is like my little way to collaborate. And I'm always interested in that stuff. I also have a project of like women in the creative fields and I'm like always trying to like give a little if possible because I feel like as graphic designers, we also have a power to like entice people to be more conscious and like listen to these issues and see what's happening in the world and try to take ownership, if that makes sense.
0: Definitely. I I feel as though it's easy to feel very powerless in the well the current political climate and um, yeah I think it's it's wonderful what you're doing and and actually using the tools that you have and and having a voice in that because I, I I often feel as though I should be doing more but I'm not quite sure how to do that and the other thing is that I think a lot of people want to keep their politics and their their art separate which is something I've never been able to (laughs) to do and uh, clearly that's something that's very important to you is having both of those together
1: yeah I mean I think honestly like I think it's such a personal choice and I definitely respect that in any level like whatever you want to do I understand but I am a very like I don't know I try to I'm a very passionate person so like if I care about something I need to say it and I need to voice my opinion so I just can't not say something you know
0: it's becoming increasingly difficult to be politically neutral
1: even yeah, as definitely. an online
0: persona Mhm. Really exciting what you're doing with that and Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and inspiring as well. Oh, thanks. More more of that kind of thing.
1: Well, I think you find that, you know, you find like you're saying, this is a way for me also to express like my, when I feel like I have nothing that I can do, I do this and then I feel a little less, a little empowered, let's say. Um, So it's just like a way to feel like you're trying to move forward and bring awareness at least to your little circle, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I think we might move on to a bit bit of you um yeah back back to the design and um, <laughs> the, your your actual process that there's a great yeah. picture of you in your studio or as you're not in the picture but it's your studio on your website and there's a board oh, yeah. that's just covered in in hand lettering and tracing paper and It makes me think that a lot of what you do is still with pen and paper. Would that be accurate?
1: Yeah, that's semi-accurate. Like I try as much as I can. Now I have to say I bought an iPod recently. (laughs) It's a slippery slope. (laughs) Yeah. I was going on a trip and I was like, I need to take work with me. And I just wanted to, you know, not take my computer. So it seemed like a, a good option. And it's been really fun to experiment with. I I wouldn't change it yet because <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of what I do that has to do with the the tool that I grab. And that's why I try, like, every time I sit with a project, I'll, you know, I'll try a different brush or I'll take a different marker or a different... Uh, uh pencil or you know like experiment with that stuff because i feel like that also will give me a bunch of new rules uh when creating letters so i i really enjoy that part uh, and i think the iPad is wonderful but you can't change the tool like even if you have like digital brushes it's not the same thing like sometimes with just grabbing you know a different brush you'll have a an error that will become the main thing that you can actually explode in the in the final piece so that's why I really like and enjoy like drawing and and like painting my hand and like just sitting in in my desk and like trying trying different tools but yeah I I I have to say that my process is, is quite different every time. Like, I, I, if I know that I want to do, like, a finished piece of lettering, most likely I will, like, draw some, some little thumbnails and, like, in pencil I will draw some thumbnails and then, like, pick a few that are working and then enlarge that and later on ink it when I feel like it's ready. And most of... The, most of the lettering, properly lettering that I do is colorize in the computer. So I ink it in black and then I, I colorize and texture in the computer, so digitally. Yeah, I feel like if I want to experiment with like calligraphy or handwriting, it will be like paper and tools and maybe color directly and see what happens.
0: I think th- there's a danger of if you switch to digital just going with digital because it's easier and quicker but then you do miss out on so much of that other stuff
1: yeah at some point I felt like I think I was before Cooper type I was mostly working in the computer and I felt like I don't know my stuff was all files you know like a a digital file and there was like All Like this tangible thing, like nothing was tangible, you know? And like I think about now, like for example, when I started doing the zines, I did that by hand. So I actually have those like original ink drawings. And it's so nice to have something actually physical that you can like hold on to and look at it in, you know, five years, ten years or whatever. And just like even look at your evolution versus something that
0: becomes so intangible you know. Mm. It's like a, a photo album versus a whole lot of files and, and pictures on a computer I guess. Exactly. <laughs> yeah and I find that that's always the most exciting part of the process is when you get something back you know when you've got something printed and it's a physical object but if you're working with the analog tools then you've got that connection with it throughout the whole process.
1: Yeah definitely and there's something so For me, like, there's a moment in time, like, my favorite, one of my favorite moments is, like, the pencil sketch. Like, there's a warmth to it that even when the final is final, it's, like, it's become something else, you know? But there's, like, a warmth in the pencil that it just, like, came directly from your hand, and it's really special, I feel like. Like, I have tons of pencil sketches that I'm, like, I'm a hoarder. I can't get rid of these.
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you work in sketchbooks or on loose pieces of paper?
1: I I work in in loose pieces of paper mostly and that's because I was pretty insecure with my drawing when I started. And one of my teachers was like, just do loose paper. If you don't like it, throw it away. And I was like, that's amazing. You're so right. Like (laughs) you're taking off the pressure of this having to be like a final amazing art. Yeah. It just stuck with me like now I just, I have loose sheets of paper everywhere. It's kind of insane. <laughs> I I could potentially, like, do sketches by now, but I don't know. There's something I like about it. And you can eventually, like, do things like that, you know? Like, you can put them in a in a board and look at them and, like, have them be the ones that you're working on, things that are relevant. It just has, like, that connection to the... Tangible thing that I I really like do you have some
0: kind of filing system for your old work?
1: Well, it's not really a great system, but I do like (laughs) I do pin them all together and like kind of do Envelopes whenever I'm done with a few projects. So I have like not super organized but like if you go into sort of by years I have like You know a bunch of pinned covers. So you basically see like clipped groups and you can see like the evolution because because I do work a lot with tracing paper so it's like kind of layering the drawings so sometimes it's just like a skeleton of the letters and then like you get to the final so it's pretty cool to see like what changed and how did that evolved through through the the drawing process
0: yeah definitely something that's interesting to to look back on yeah maybe a few years down the line definitely. Uh, So in your bio, you say that you focus on books, lettering, typeface design and experimental handwriting. I was wondering what you mean by experimental handwriting and how it differs from your lettering process. Uh, That's a good question.
1: (laughs) Um, So that's kind of for the all my all my type nerds out there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So basically, like, it's just, there's a lot of resurgence of of lettering and calligraphy and all that stuff now. So people inter-exchange what is what. Um, I do a lot of handwriting in my work and basically it's just writing. Um, I call it experimental because I use different tools, but it differs from lettering because lettering is actually drawing a letter. So from the outside, you know, the outline of the letter to filling in a letter, which is quite different than than writing it. Um, At the same time, it's different than calligraphy, because with calligraphy, you're doing like a specific tool that you grab in a certain way at a very specific angle, and you repeat the movements, uh, and the strokes are constructed in an order. So it's just a way of like trying to be proper, really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of nuance there.
1: Yeah, I mean, like even sometimes like for Instagram purposes and stuff, I'll tag my stuff brush lettering, but it's not really brush lettering, you know? It's like closer to calligraphy or like even experimental handwriting because lettering is when, for example, you can see on my website as well, but like the piece that I did for Girl in the Dark where I drew the letter, the outsides of the letter, I filled it in. Like you're actually constructing a letter with a conscious
0: of how and where the weight should be, if that makes sense. So with that piece, did it evolve from handwriting into lettering? Uh,
1: no, not really. I, went, I, I knew that this was a very weird case in which I knew that I wanted to do that. I think that I might be wrong because this was like maybe two years, not more, even like five years ago or something. But I think that was the only cover I presented. And usually I do a a few and I explore a lot, but for this book, I had like kind of this specific idea and I just went directly to lettering because I felt like it was the right choice. But
0: this is like an exception. <laughs> Could you tell us a bit about that book and and the plot of it, so that yeah we can yeah better understand how that cover links to Definitely. it. Definitely. And if if you're not if you haven't got uh, Isabel's, I'm, I'm talking to the listeners <laughs> now, If you haven't got Isabel's uh, portfolio open. Then I'd highly recommend that, or going to her Instagram. That will all be in the show notes. But this is going to make a lot more sense if you're actually looking at them or know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, so
1: basically, this book is, is a memoir, and it's this this girl, this woman who she's she becomes allergic to the light, uh, so she has to live in a house that is dark and she can't have any light come in because it really like actually like itches and hurts and this is like a true story. So it was pretty moving and it's a beautiful wow. book. Yeah. It's super, really amazing. Uh, and it's hers basically her survival story through this journey and she writes about it in the dark and then she has someone come in to help her, piece it together um, and transcribe it Uh, and I just wanted to make something that had that connection to like something that you can see but you can barely see you know like when you get used to being in the dark that you start seeing texture and, and you see the shapes but you can't really tell everything so I wanted it to have a lot of texture and have it be raw because it felt like what was happening to her and her body was sort of incredible so yeah you know it's obviously an abstraction and I didn't want it to be too literal but it felt like that could
0: be a good representation of that did you come up with any other concepts for that or was it you said you only presented one but did you come up with any others as well I
1: tried some other things, but I felt like this was pretty strong, and I just ended up showing this, and that was it. <laughs> like, the, the UK cover is pretty beautiful. Yeah. Um, I really liked it, and I felt like it did, it did its job uh, quite, quite well, but I felt like for some reason I wanted it to be, like, gritty and, like, raw and just... I don't know. You guys should read the book. It's it's really amazing. Yeah, I'm so intrigued now. That's... Yeah, I know. It, she also tried going to doctors and stuff, but it was quite hard with her condition. So it's one of those w- weird <sighs> loopholes.
0: Yeah, and, and what an amazing brief to be given.
1: Yeah, it was also like a small smaller book. So I feel like when, when those happen is good because you get a lot of freedom in a way. Uh, to experiment and try things that are quite interesting. Which which, um, publisher was that with? That was with Vintage when I was
0: there, Vintage and Anchor. Well, I've got a few others here that I I really like the covers of and I wanted to talk about those ones because I particularly like them. But if there are any others that that you especially want to talk about, do shout. (laughs) Um, But... The the ones that really struck me to begin with were the, the Greek ones that you've got, so the Iliad, the Odyssey, and Philoctetes. Yeah. And of course, the way that you've presented them as well is is fantastic Thanks. with the the shards of pottery. Um. But yeah, how do you approach something that is so ancient and has been covered so many times, but needs a revamp for the modern world? This was kind of a weird brief because.
1: We started by knowing that we were doing Philoctetes and maybe the other two. And actually, the other two ended up being quite problematic. But thinking about that, I started thinking that I wanted to... I mean, I did research, of course. And I started leaning into, you know, just looking at, like, Greek... Uh, pottery and like painting and stuff and I wanted to do something that had that quality of being like very graphic and still captivating and it's obviously a really interesting challenge because it's like you're saying you know it's been done and redone so many times uh, but it feels like in a way you can't escape, escape that connection with the history that it has, and the time period in this case is really important. So it felt like that connection had to be there. So I decided I would give myself like a limitation of colors and yeah, just have like, it be like the main thing would be the illustration, but the typeface would be, or the lettering, sorry, would be kind of connected to like all the inscriptions and like rock carving and uh, you know ancient writing so just from there I started doing a lot of research and I kind of came up with this sort of illustration style for this but it was interesting because once we finished those it turned out that the Iliad and the Odyssey had the manuscripts and the original the originals basically uh, which weren't digitized burned down with (laughs) with random House. In the fifties, or something, so we can't really publish them. Ah, so. <laughs> It was, like, very crazy, right. so we finished them, and it was like, okay, I guess we're only doing Philip Didis. And then, from there, um, the same uh, translator did the All That You've Seen Here Is God, and the Theater of War. So those, because I already had set the style, it was like, okay, we're just going to continue with this. And with the Theater of War, it was interesting because there was already a hardcover, which... In the other two, it was directly paperback. It was like a vintage originals, so the theater of war was designed by by Oliver Monday, who was working at Knopf at the same time that I was there, so they wanted to adapt that that cover but because I have done the other ones that were related and it's the same um uh, translator, we decided the best way was to like sort of create a co cover (laughs) like collaborate with his illustration uh his photographic illustration and my type treatment so we merged the two together and that's what we came up with like I kept his color palette and his illustration and added like the same type treatment to link the two
0: yeah and it still has that kind of shape with the type that you've got on on the other yeah exactly I think that's such an effective cover thank you flipping through your portfolio here we've got so many wonderful covers um all our names which is a a very simple cover Mm -hmm. (laughs) but so effective and i absolutely love the way you've styled this with the chalk thank you (laughs) again so simple but so effective could you take us through the process of that did you know that it was going to be all type uh that was one
1: where it was a really uh fun one the art director was Peter Mendelssohn and it was my first time working with him. And of course, you know, everyone knows his work and his, everything he does is awesome. So, of course, I wanted to do something cool. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like a big challenge, uh, my first time working with him. And uh, the book is amazing. Uh, his uh, writing, now is, is so great and I really love this book. Uh, so it was like... A lot of exploration there I tried some illustrated things and I tried some photography things but this was like I was I was feeling like this was it but at the same time I was like it's black and white like it's so simple it cannot be the solution you know like it was also one of my first I think it was my second cover for Conaf, which was also like a big deal and I was just like Peter, here are the options. <laughs> yeah. This one is—I really like this one, but I don't know. What do you think? And he was like, "Oh my god, I wish I had designed this." And I was like, ah, "Okay, uh, <laughs> thank you." <laughs> it was really like a good moment, and like all that, like the talk that we had was really cool, and like we were debating because the there was one illustrated uh, version that. I had done that was like the face of the character, but it was, I, I don't know how to explain it. It was kind of like in parts, and it was really interesting too, but at the end we decided we were only gonna show that and see how it would go, which is quite different also as an approach to vintage, which, in which we usually show more than one option to the editors, uh, and he was like, no, let's just show this one. I think it's gonna work. Yeah and yeah everyone it was very unanimous and it was pretty cool because the writer the author actually uh wrote me an email saying thank you and everything and it was like one of the few times that authors have reached out yeah that's really special yeah it was pretty cool and also I feel like I don't know. This is one of the cases that I would call like experimental handwriting because obviously it's not, you know, the usual way you would handwrite something. But I did a bunch of tests and stuff until I came up with this. It was really interesting, you know, and a lot of the decisions are obviously like very thought through, like the two colors and like how... um, the the spacing is not right and all those things were like okay I need to do this to make it work so it was it looks like very simple but it had a lot of thought behind it which was like for me one of the best challenges you know when you get the result it's like oh yeah this was it
0: yes it's difficult because you when you're doing something like this you want it to look spontaneous and handwritten but at the same time you can't because it needs to be perfect (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it needs to have that um yeah that that hand feel to it as well yeah yeah i've i've found when when you're doing that kind of yeah not lettering but also not quite handwriting Mm -hmm. that that's one of the most challenging things to do
1: yeah it's it's a it's a weird like balance that
0: needs to be found Mm. so how does the how does the communication differ aside from the the mode of communication i mean obviously that influences the the way that you communicate with an art director but is it is it just more like if you're working in house you can just pop into somebody's office and, and talk about a cover whereas it's a bit of a longer process if you're freelance would that be accurate
1: yeah i mean i'm not sure if it's so much of the timing more than the yeah like the communication is not direct so like i never speak with the editors right now as a freelancer i speak with the art directors whatever happens in the publishing house i rarely hear about it which is a weird thing for me after being so involved in the process when i was working in-house we would it would be the art director the editor the senior editors the publisher Everyone had an opinion and you could like weigh all those in and then, you know, fix things Uh, while here is like the art director communicates all that they have. So sometimes it's trickier, you know, like just finding that information that you need and like it feels a little less connected to the work. Like I do my comps and then I send them and it's just like, okay, now let's wait and see, you know, before it was more involved because I can go, I can say what I'm thinking, like just present my work while here is, is a little more disconnected, I would say. I mean, it's still enjoyable, but it's a different process for sure. So
0: what are the best things about working freelance then?
1: Well, I love that it gives me the freedom to just like take other jobs too. Uh, because I'm like we've been talking like I also like doing other stuff like type design lettering and, and zines and like branding and just experimenting with other things like I want to do more artist books so I can do that now like this past year I designed a book and did illustrations for all of it it's still in the works and it will come out next year but you know it's a little more involved and also I'm not sure if if you have worked in-house but it, it feels like it can be a quite corporate world sometimes if you don't stay somewhere for ten years it's hard to move up and I don't know I'm quite ambitious I like challenges so for me it's really important to be able to like manage a bigger project or like do something that is actually making me try to figure it out and after a while in-house it it felt like I needed a change like I needed you know to be challenged and like a change of pace and uh I mean also the reality of the freelance money it's like quite different um (laughs) which I mean don't get me wrong I will do many things for the love of art but like at some point it's just like if I can do the same amount of work and take half of the year of vacation, <laughs> why not? You know, like, sometimes it felt like I was there just, just waiting for books, you know, like, there was not a lot going on, for example, between lists. And it felt like, oh, I could work on other stuff, you know. So now I feel like I have more control of my time. Like I can actually pick and choose what I want to do and like, have more control over what what types of projects I want to do be a little more selective
0: so was it when you went freelance that you started your shop online Mm,
1: yes officially yes (laughs) like I had you know selling the zines here and there but yeah the shop is kind of something that I've been creating things so at some point I was like oh I have all these things and You know, I'm doing zine fests and taking it to stores, but it would make a lot
0: more sense to just have them online in one place. So do you still go to um, markets and and places to sell in person as well?
1: Yeah, uh, as much as I can. Uh, I did a bunch uh, last year. This year I've been trying to focus on some things that I've been putting off because since I started freelance, I've been like, doing a lot of conferences, workshops, uh, the zine fest, you know, a ton of things. Because also, as a freelancer, you're doing everything. You have to promote yourself. You got to, like, put a lot of work to get your your work out there. Uh, and this year, I've been trying to focus on on the work, and, like, a little less about promoting and more about actually doing the stuff that I want to be doing. So... I'm taking a little (laughs) small break. But I hope to be back soon because it's such a fun... Those are the things that I like the most. Uh, You know, like having people take the zines and like read them in front of me and like crack up. That's just like, oh, I love this. You know, this is what I'm doing this content for because it's actually getting to people and like finding an audience and just like finding people who think alike. Um, It's just quite... Awesome.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I found that the same when you're doing things like markets and and yeah, people are reacting to them and it's you know it's it's not staged because they don't even know that you're necessarily the artist. Yeah, they're just reacting to the product. Totally. Mm. And you don't get that. I mean, unless you skulk around bookshops and just spy on people looking at your covers,
1: (laughs) you don't really get
0: that. Exactly.
1: And it's just like, I don't know. It's also, you find other makers who are, you know, trying to experiment with something or like, are interested in the same subject. So that's so great. You know, like those connections you can make in any other way.
0: Uh, so I really enjoy that. Mm, and you said you've done some collaborations as well. Do those tend to come from doing these markets and things as well?
1: Uh, well, And basically the zines I've made as collaborations have been more like with friends that are doing work that I like, uh, for example, my friend who is a photographer and then I had another project that was, uh, with a musician friend of mine we did, she asked me to do a zine for her new release of, of her music. So I was like, that sounds amazing. I'll do it. Great. Um, and then, like, other things, like, I I did, like, an election party, which was so sad. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> like, imagine. <laughs> oh. It was so hard, but it was a great, you know, event to, like, actually share with other people who were interested in, like, seeing this very emotional night, and, like, I created stuff for that, so just things like that, you know, like, when I find something that that is kind of a cause that I want to support. Like I've also done work for uh, against guns. Uh, this organization called Everytown. So I did something a while ago, and then recently I did a piece for Refinery that was also for them uh, for the March of, of Our Lives. So those things, you know, like I want to support a cause. I'll do. I'll try to see how I can do something to collaborate with that.
0: Oh, well, you are such an inspiration and you've you've made me want to, yeah, do do more in this kind of sphere as well. Oh, thanks, Holly. (laughs) That's so sweet. I I would love to keep chatting and and asking you lots more questions, but um, we should probably wrap this up and I'll let you get on with your evening. (laughs) But this has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much. And I feel like I've learned a lot. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Thanks for having me. It was great. All right. Um, so, if people want to find you on the internet, where can they go? Uh, Instagram is a great place. Uh, my
1: handle is Bell, as in a ringing bell. E R A, Belera. Um, okay. My website is you can do also the same, but .co. That redirects to my shop, but you can go and see my covers there too. It's way shorter than my full name. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: okay and twitter uh belera as well all righty and we'll have this all linked in the show notes but sometimes it's good to hear it too awesome great thank you so much if you enjoyed this podcast you can subscribe to us on itunes stitcher or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts please be sure to rate and review us too this show is hosted by holly dunn and edited by eric wilder our theme song is Sweet Berry Wine by Blue Wednesday. And Spine is a production of Spine Magazine. For show notes, articles, audio, and video about the enormous talent that goes into creating books, visit spinemagazine.co.